Hi there, this is Alvin, and welcome to the Kickstart Commerce Podcast, where we share search marketing and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. In today's episode, our guest is none other than Steve Webb, a jack of all trades, a master of what's important, and the man behind the man of the curtain as a researcher, developer, and marketer at Park.io, a back-ordering service for drop-catching expired CCTLD domains. Today, Steve and I discuss his journey into the domain industry, the hidden world of drop catching as it relates to the CCTLD ecosystem, how to appraise CCTLDs, and why .io domains are skyrocketing in price. We also discuss a bit about Park.io and their new back order service offering. And last but not least, we discuss how COVID has impacted Park.io and the domain industry in general. So with that, Steve, welcome and thank you for making time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. Exactly, man. We're excited to have you on. I'm excited to have you on for a couple of different reasons. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Park.io and just everything to do with CCTLDs. But as as uh, fate would have it, so Steve and I have actually had, I guess we would say, a former life together, actually the same life together just 20 years ago. Um, so this past, what, shoot, NamesCon 2020. So it was held here in Austin, Texas. Obviously, I reside in Austin, Texas, um, but Steve attended. And, you know, as we, I guess, as time passed and, and things just happened along the way in terms of NamesCon, we kept eyeing one another in terms of going, man, it seems like I know that person or rather I do know that person. Um, and so we kept kind of going back and forth and I kept looking at him like, man, I think I know who he is, but I didn't want to be the guy of, you know, actually trying to see his name badge. And I, you know, especially how name badges fell, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to be the man looking at another man, if you get what I mean. Um, that being said, we actually attended, I believe it was Mike Seiger's um, lunch yep. of uh, DN, I believe it was like a DN Academy lunch. And even as we walked down the street, I just remember thinking to myself, like, my goodness, why does this guy seem so familiar? And it wasn't until, I guess, what, was it the same day? Uh, it was either the same day or the next, because I saw you, I, I actually saw, it was in the GoDaddy talk. They put, they either mentioned you or they put your name up on the, the projector. They did something like, something very Alvin Brown specific. And I, like, it just clicked <laughs> in my head, like, oh my God, I know that guy. I went to high school with that guy. Exactly. And then and I think then, we yeah. wound up meeting like in a in a lounge and you walked up and you like, I know. And then as soon as you said, I know you, it all clicked for us um, in terms of being like, oh, my gosh, like, yes, 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 yes. We 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 spent years together just 20 years prior growing up. So. Uh, so, yeah, so that's just kind of a interesting weaving of um, stories there. So, you know, the kick things off, Steve. I mean, one, welcome, but then briefly share at a high level with our listeners just a bit about yourself, who you are, your personal and professional background. Yeah, so the last time you saw me, I was a Bearcat, <laughs> Sherman High, you know, repping the Sure Town, which is our, our big claim to fame for a long time was we had a sign in Dallas that said uh, North 75, you can get to Sherman, which exactly. was actually replaced. And now you, the sign that we used to have, is, it points to McKinney. So the <sighs> one kind of big thing we had going for us doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> but then, so after I left 
Sherman. I you know went to college, then grad school. Did a lot of work in internet related type things. Did a lot of like internet security type work at some startups, and then. I actually went off to New Zealand for a while and did some crazy things and then started <laughs> an SEO consultant business. And that's, I think, probably whenever kind of everything started to merge as far as my background in internet security and doing like identifying web spam and looking at domains and kind of all of these different things. And so then not too long after that, I met up with Mike Carson and that's kind of how I'd segued into park.io. And then that's, really what we're going to spend probably the majority of the podcast talking about is what I do there and kind of what drop catching is all about and what expired domains are all about. And then just kind of this interesting world of CCTLDs, which I think a lot of people have kind of a, a partial understanding of, but it's not nearly as kind of in your face as obviously the more popular dot coms and dot nets and those. And so, yeah, that's the kind of high level overview of uh, where you left me before we <laughs> Remet at Namescon. <laughs> Where I left him, and yet here it is. I'm picking him back up again. Um, so I guess for those who don't know who uh, Mike Carson, you mentioned Mike Carson, but who is he, I guess, in relation to Park.io? So Mike Carson is, in my eyes, somewhat of a superhero, only because he he started Park.io, I think, in 2014. And, and in the very early days, it was more of just a hobby because for a long time, I mean, like a lot of us that are in the tech industry, we do a lot of these projects, you know, we code up stuff. We do a lot of proof of concept. You know, we're constantly launching things. Some work, some don't. And what he quickly realized, like most of us, is that for all these projects, you know, you have to have some kind of a home for them. And that means you have to have a domain <laughs> for any one of these things that you're creating. And I forget the exact domain that he was interested in. I want to say it was something like smile.io or something, some very short, cute.io that he was interested in. He realized that it was going to become available soon and he wanted to get it for his project, obviously. And in the process of doing that, I think he wrote some very early script that literally was just checking like every minute to see if it was available and then it would send him an email. And so the story he tells is I think he was sitting down to eat dinner with his wife and he got this email that the domain had just become available. And so he like rushed <laughs> to his computer, tried to register the domain and he missed it. And he was just like beside himself, right? Because he felt like he'd already you know, written the script to try to find when a thing was going to become available. Like in his mind, he was like, I'm already doing, you know, the work that most people aren't already doing. So like I should be able to get this domain. And so that kind of empowered him to then really start going down the rabbit hole and figuring out, like what is the actual process for like when these domains become available and when, when do they actually drop and what do I need to do to actually be competitive so I can actually get these domains so I don't miss the next smile.io. And so that started kind of this, this journey where he starts creating these scripts and getting better and better. And then, you know, he got to the point where he was consistently getting pretty much every name he ever wanted. And so then he realized, well, you know, I can't, I can't just have every single .io name. So I'll, put it up as a service and see if other people are interested and not surprisingly a lot of people were and then it kind of just took off from there and so that was 2014 when he first launched and then it progressively got bigger and bigger but the reason I call him you know a superhero in my eyes is I mean he ran it by himself for the larger part of five years and then like we can get into kind of Amazing. how he and I linked up but until I came on board I mean he was a one-man army and so 
I've got nothing but respect for him because now for the past year, I've essentially taken over a lot of those things to free him up to do other stuff. But it's just, I, you know, personally, I don't have kids. I don't have nearly the responsibilities that he does. And so the fact that he was able to do all the things he was able to do for these five years was very impressive for me. And so I've got nothing but respect for him. And so and then I'm now obviously his partner. So I'm in some ways incentivized to be an even bigger fan, but I was a big fan before I ever had any real affiliation with the site. And obviously, I mean, now, now that I really understand what goes on behind the scenes, I've got nothing but respect for him. <laughs> that is amazing. And I'm assuming then in terms of, because when he started, IO really wasn't as popular as it is Not today. Yeah. I mean, it was, so this was a shot in the dark in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, so I think, I mean, I don't know the exact history. Like I can't even think what the biggest domains would have been back then, but I mean, we'll talk about some of the success stories kind of in recent months. It's night and day. I mean, so back then, I mean, you pretty much with the exception of this, you know, smile.io or whatever he was trying to get back then, you could have pretty much anything you wanted. And for, you know, basically just a registration fee, not for, any type of premiums. I mean, it was just like, hey, I have this idea. Let's see if it's available for .io. And in most cases, it was. Man, and and what what's incredible about that, obviously, I'll say a shot in the dark, meaning that he came along at just the right time that startups literally begin, I guess, kind of tilting away or, or, or shifting in terms of their initial um cash outlay into a domain it was more about hey let's get the business up and going and we'll use this cool domain dot io um and it was likely just an alternative i would i would imagine for some for a lot of the startups that what i've seen using them i mean in most cases some of them most of the dot ios that i started or were introduced into were more of gaming um sites than than anything else but to start where he started and to been at the place that intersection in history where startups literally begin to buy these names. And he just so happened to be the guy who uh, struck out and pioneered, you know, his path into this specific CCTLD. I mean, that's like lightning in a bottle. That's, that's the exact phrase I would, I would use is it's like lightning in a bottle because to your point, I mean, obviously he had pretty strong intuition. Like he, I mean, I, I think he would admit he had no idea it would have grown to what it's grown to as far as just the popularity of .io's today. I mean, I'm sure he knew it was going to get much bigger than it was, but I think, I mean, he and I have conversations now where there are domains that are being resold today that he had, you know, years ago, and it's just, it still never ceases to amaze how much things are progressing, even just from month to month, not to mention, you know, from... 2020 versus 2014. And so, and so yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to be said for being in the right place at the right time, and he absolutely was. And speaking of right place, right time, I mean, obviously, right place, right time for us to meet back up, but you're not too shabby yourself in terms of impeccable timing. Yeah. I agree. I mean, so this is definitely, that's the thing. I mean, so when people talk about just the domain industry in general, to me, even though, I mean, when you look at some of these IO prices, even in .co and some of the others we'll talk about, like there's definitely been some increases, obviously, as far as the pricing. But even with those, if you take that aside, in my eyes, CCTLDs 
in general still represent kind of that new frontier, right? Like if you were looking for where is the biggest opportunity in the domaining industry, in my eyes, it's very much CCTLDs because a lot of the dot-coms, as we know, the really great ones have already been taken. There's still lots of opportunities in .io and even the more popular CCTLDs. But then the less popular ones now in a lot of ways is just like the ground floor. So like .gg, for instance, is kind of known as like the gaming TLD, right? So if you're right. an esports team or an esports league, in a lot of cases, you'll actually opt for the .gg as opposed to a .com just because it's becoming this very established community of, of what GG is all about. And GG just, for people that aren't into gaming, GG stands for good game. And so that's kind of the cutesy reason why people have rallied behind .gg because it's like, it's a very nice kind of very gamer centric way to market your domain as hey GG. <laughs> right, right. And so that, and so that's interesting. So then I guess share a little bit about how, I mean, how, how did you cross paths? with you know park.io and i mean it, it's just kind of one of those things that i look at and i go man as much as mike had impeccable timing shoot it seems that both of y'all just seem to have, yeah. have the midas touch in terms of showing up at the right place at the right right time in history so the thing that so originally i, mean, I will get into the like the full story but <laughs> i i at various times in my life have decided to just kind of check out on life and so like once once you know I, I spent a year in new zealand everybody thought i was crazy it's probably the smartest thing i've ever done i did a similar thing i guess it was 2018 2019 i checked out and i backpacked all around europe and so when i got back i was like really motivated because i'd been doing seo and, and digital marketing for you know almost a decade at that point like doing the consulting and, and kind of grinding it out with all these different consulting engagements and so when i got back from europe i was basically just looking at the landscape of like, what do I want to do next? Like what's right. really interesting, what kind of directly relates to what I've done in the past and like what my background really jives with. And just kind of by luck, I had a friend who was really jazzed up by park.io. I think he had actually had just gotten an account on park.io maybe like a month or two prior to when he talked to me about it. And he had bought like a ton of these .io, like, cause what a lot of people obviously in domaining do, is there's a lot of speculation. You obviously don't know. I mean, there are cer certain domains where it's pretty well 100% guarantee it's going to go up in value. Right. But then there's lots of them where you just have, like, for whatever reason, you like the, the words, you, you think, you know, it directly relates to something you're really interested in, or it has some relation to some other type of brand that's getting big or some other, you know, niche. And so that's what my friend had done. Like, he had bought, you know, like, I don't know, 20 or 30 domains just kind of on a hunch of like, oh, I just really like these keywords and they're available. And Park.io is really addictive, to be honest with you, I mean, because we're very good at what we do. And so if you find a domain you like, in all likelihood, we're going to get it for you. And so my friend just kind of went on this binge of just like he bought all these domains. And then he got really excited about just the industry in general, because he realized like, if this is exciting for me, that's clearly going to be exciting for other people. This is a great industry. We should get into it. And so then he kind of reached out to me and was like, hey, we should look into this. And so we then actually approached Mike about potentially buying park.io and you know i won't like bore you with all the details because this becomes just like this multi-week <laughs> saga but my friend actually ended up kind of bailing on me and at that point i had gotten so like it started out he was really excited he had he had seen or he'd listened to all these podcasts that mike had done and he was like super excited about the domaining industry he had gotten me super excited about it so then when he pulled out i was just like i 
I don't want to pull out. Like I'm, I'm really into this. Like I want to continue. Like you got me super excited and now you're kind of pulling the rug out from under me. And so Mike and I kind of continued talking and we figured out, you know, how to make it work. And so then I officially became a partner, I guess, back in June of 2019. So it's just recently been my one year anniversary. And originally, so this is kind of going back to my background in SEO. I had pitched him kind of, I'm going to be basically like your new marketing guru, right? Because he kind of famously hasn't really done a lot of marketing for Park.io. I mean, like, and he just because he had out of no real need, right? Like as soon as he launched, literally on day one, he had orders. And then the primary way he's marketed it since 2014 is just putting up parked pages for the domains that we've been able to acquire. And then through word of mouth, I mean, it's just grown year over year. And so when I saw that, like, cause that's the thing, I mean, I was attracted to the opportunity just as, as a standalone opportunity, like without looking at you know, the nuts and bolts of the company and the financials and whatever. And when I realized that he hasn't really done any marketing, I'd like the light bulb went off, like, Hey, <laughs> there's a huge opportunity here to get this in front of people that aren't necessarily aware of how great the service is and what the opportunity is for the domaining industry in general, and then specifically the CCTLD industry. And so everything aligned for me. I mean, I was very excited. So like, I, I feel very blessed that Mike was even willing to, you know, humor me and continue talking and figure all this out because I would have been pretty disappointed. I think if it had all fallen apart last year. Certainly. And Mike is not, Mike is not really, um, he's more, he's not really an extrovert. He's more of an introvert. He actually has a company called introvert.com. Just to highlight <laughs> just how introverted he is. Oh man, he's he he is uh he's the guy that likely goes to the conferences and is in the room b- before dinner. <laughs> he I mean I, I'll give him credit. I mean, he did a really good job. At NamesCon, I think he I mean, knowing how introverted he is, I feel like he put on a really like brave extrovert face. I mean, because <laughs> he was out in the, the sessions. I mean, yes, I I do think that he probably went back to his room a little earlier than some, but I, whenever, because I, I, on the really funny story is up until NamesCon, we'd never met in person. Like we, Wait, we did all, hold of that, on. Wait a all minute. Of that over the phone and via no. emails and everything. No, 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 yeah. I don't believe it. You're not going to tell 100%. me something that y'all didn't meet in person before striking no. up a partnership. We, we, we were successfully <laughs> partners for what, for six or seven oh, months. Shoot without ever actually meeting in which again, just kind of highlights the world we live in in 2020, but especially now, right? I mean, like it would have been out of necessity if it was happening in, you know, our current era of COVID craziness. But back then we actually were allowed to see, you know, people on a regular basis and not have to worry about having hazmat suits. And even in that context, we still didn't, in fairness, I mean, I live in Texas, he lives in Philadelphia. So it was a little challenging to meet in person, but it could have been done. It's just, I think both of us tend to be more online centric anyway. And so, <laughs> I mean, I only bring it up because I, up to that point, he had kind of conditioned me to think that he was super introverted. And so when I met him at the conference, I was kind of like, well, you're doing way better than I was expecting, right? Like, I mean, you made it seem like <laughs> you were going to not even leave the hotel room. And so I feel like he did a great job, but yes, he is on the whole. very <laughs> Although, I mean, I'm, I go back and forth. I don't know. I, you catch me on the right day. 
I'm more extroverted. <laughs> like exactly. right now, I'm feeling pretty good. So exactly, we'll continue the the flow. <laughs> Certainly. So then, let's talk a little bit about the world of of uh, drop catching as it relates to you know the CCTLD ecosystem, which is just it's a total different animal when it when in comparison to dot com. Oh yeah. And so, and, and for those that are not familiar with CCTLDs, it's what country what is it country code, country code top level yeah. uh domain top level domains yeah so country code top level domain cctld um so those are more of your uh what is it two letter country codes yep um, much, that for the most have, part any any two letter code you'll come across is going to be a CT, cctld right and in most cases it, it they they represent or they're the abbreviation of i guess what a country um, yeah. for the most part uh, but some of those have basically gone on to become hacks in some, you know, some cases like .ws. So if you put any .ws, obviously, then you have news. So it's a hack. Or think about uh, the old service Delicious. Um, yep. It's a hack. And there are other paperly, uh, there are other so many different ones that are out there that are hacks. So I mean, kind of get us clued in a bit, Steve, just on the hidden world of drop catching and how it all works in terms of uh, the CCTLD ecosystem. Okay. So like you mentioned, I think hacks is probably the way that I was first introduced to them. So I forget exactly when .us was created. And this is funny. I mean, like everybody kind of has those like, oh, I wish I had done this or that or whatever moments. <laughs> and when .us was first created, I remember I generated some program that like went out and identified every hack I could think. Like it basically just dumped the dictionary and spit out every available .us domain. And unfortunately, I was a poor and very dumb college student. And so <laughs> I didn't actually, read, like I did the, the hard work of actually identifying like these hundreds of what would now be super valuable domains. But then at the time I was like, oh, I can't afford, you know, these like paltry registration. I mean, if you add it all up, it would have been, you know, what, a few thousand dollars maybe, which- right. Doesn't seem like a lot, but for a college student was like an insurmountable sum. Which again, <laughs> in retrospect, terrible decision on my part. But anyway, like so US is kind of how I first got introduced to this notion of hacks and CCTLDs. And you mentioned delicious, like for the longest time, I think delicious is probably the most famous domain hack, which they unfortunately like kind of switched teams and they went to the dot com. But for the longest time they were, you know, repping the home team and staying true to the CCTLD world. But I guess the, the biggest difference, as you mentioned, between like the dot coms and the dot orgs and dot nets versus the CCTLDs from the drop catching perspective is you have a lot more diversity as far as the registries. So I, as we talked about, so C, the CC and CCTLD is country code. And what I think a lot of people don't understand is those domains are, in fact, in some way or another associated with these countries. So like dot co is probably one of the most famous CCTLDs. And it's kind of been co-opted, right? Like people don't think of it as a Colombian CCTLD. They think of it as just an abbreviation of company. So if you can't get the .com, you get the .co because it's, you know, it's basically like the 2.0 version of company. But what people don't understand is that that is actually associated with Colombia as a country. And so there is everything you can imagine that's associated with that, all the geopolitical issues, because the Colombian government gets a piece of it in one way or another. I mean, I don't right. know the exact agreements for every single one of them, but suffice to say, 
every single CCTLD has its own unique story. So .io is also kind of its own really unique animal because IO stands for Indian Ocean. They're actually hmm. like associated with these islands that are out in the <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, basically. But it's essentially <laughs> owned by the British government. It's it's very very interesting. And there's this dispute with the indigenous people of the Indian Ocean Islands, and it's right. it's all like and so every one of these countries has a similar type of crazy story, and that just adds to kind of the intricacies associated with these CCTLDs because in any CCTLD, I mean, just to back up for a second all of them basically have the same essential life cycle, right? Like you have a domain, it's, a, it's active for some period of time as long as somebody owns the registration for it. And then if you don't renew and the registration expires, it goes into a period or it goes into a couple of different states where it can be renewed even though it's already expired. And then after it passes through kind of this redemption phase, it enters into a pending delete phase. And so you don't have to worry about the, the nitty gritty of the different phases, but Pretty much every domain within the most popular TLDs follows that life cycle to some extent. But in addition to all that, you have to recognize that each of these CCTLDs has their own in individual registry, which again is associated with you know the country. And so right. all of them have this life cycle you have to deal with in order to figure out like when it becomes actually available and when you can actually register it. But then if you want to actually do that, right, if you want to be a registrar that's able to actually register one of these domains on behalf of registrants, you have to go through, you know, all the red tape essentially that's associated with, you know, hmm. the registries and the countries that are connected to the registries. And it's just, it's, it's a wild situation because like .com is, it's managed by Veris, um, is it Veriton? Yeah, Verisign. Yeah, Verisign, sorry. I can't remember, I don't think they actually own we were talking about this the other day. It's very, it's a really weird relationship because it's not clear if VeriSign actually owns the TLD or if they just manage it. Right. But regardless, they own or they, they manage .com, .net, um, and at least a couple, and I think .tv, .cc. But they're a massive company, and so they handle you know, all of those registrations. And so you get somewhat of a universal interface with those people, right? Like, so, I mean, with those TLDs. So if you want to do anything in the TLDs that VeriSign owns, it's somewhat standardized, right? Right. You don't get that benefit if you're talking about .ly or .to or .ai or .cco. <laughs> like, it's a completely different animal for every single... Exactly, it really is. Like, it's... <laughs> which is, I mean, it depends on how you, your perspective, right? Like, from my perspective, it's extremely exciting because there's never a dull moment. You're having to deal with different people all the time in terms of making these things work. From an end consumer standpoint, probably not as exciting because they would much prefer it be more like VeriSign, where it's just like I go to one place and I'm done. Like I just want my domain. I don't want to deal with the hassles of making it all work behind the scenes. And so it is. It's wild. Like I, I had a like an inkling of how crazy it was before I got involved in all this. <laughs> now it's a completely different situation. Like now that I've been able to look behind the curtain. It is a very, you said ecosystem. That's a great way to describe it because it's, it's a very constantly <laughs> in flux, never really stable situation where, which is not to say, I mean, if you own a CCTLD, it's fine. Like from an in-consumer standpoint, there's no real concern. Like you're, you're going to be fine. But from a registrar perspective, there are constantly things that are changed that you have to stay abreast of in order to, to continue to be competitive if you're trying to drop catch or just to make sure that you're 
abiding by whatever restrictions they put in place at the registry level, at the, you know, the individual country level. And technology, yeah. I guess technology from registrars uh, probably as well as registries isn't always embraced either, right? No. So that's the other, like, so EPP is kind of the, the definitive protocol that's, that's used for most registrars to registries. And again, when I say that, I mean like with, with the really big boys, right? So like with the .coms, the .nets, right. .org, like the most popular TLDs, it's universally recognized that you're going to be using EPP to, to and it, it, it's really simple protocol. I mean, it's just, it uses XML. It basically just allows you to provision, which one of the P's is provisioning, I believe, just domains. Like it essentially allows a registrar right. to, to, to say to the registry, hey, I want to create this domain or I want to renew or I want to transfer, you know, all, all the things that an end user would want to do with their domain, EPP is kind of the, the glue that makes it all happen between the registrars and the registries. Unfortunately, as you can imagine, some of the registries for CCTLDs don't use EPP. They have a completely owned system that either they've written themselves or <laughs> has been kind of grandfathered in from years and years ago when they first stood up you know, the registry. Smoke so signals. Again, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the joke, it's, in some cases, it's not that far off. Like, I fortunately haven't had to deal with some TLDs that have been really far back. But Mike has told me stories of where, like, he literally had to, like, use faxes to get certain things done. Which oh, no. you can just imagine in 2020, I mean, fortunately, we're not going to do it in 2020. But in the lifetime of Park.io, right. he's had to do certain operations via fax, which you can imagine is incredibly inefficient when you're trying to run a registrar and you're trying to deal with end user needs. And that's, and that's just crazy to think about how far we've come in technology yet. Even you would think, I mean, uh, a .co, a .cc, a .i, you know, it isn't too far from the legacy TLDs. Like, what are we doing? But yet it's almost, it seems, what seems to be a 20 to 30 year gap in technology at, at times, depending on who, who it is that you're dealing with and what um, it is that you're purchasing in terms of the CCTLD. And so, I mean, it's interesting in terms of the ecosystem, but then, so how does this impact in terms of like the ecosystem in terms of just drop catching? Because if we know that in terms of, hey, registrars going out or end customers going out to buy from registrars and technology may or may not be used, I mean, that certainly probably impacts how well you can actually drop catch certain or given uh, CCTLDs. Oh, absolutely. And so there's two things really. I mean, so the first, well, just to underscore one point I was trying to make about the CCTLDs, there is some degree of chaos, but fortunately it is completely behind the scenes for, for end users, right? Because right. it makes our job very difficult, but fortunately we kind of patch over a lot of these problems so that users never have to see them, right? So like if, if I'm having a terrible day, me as you know, Steve Webb having to deal with a registry, it's so that users don't have to have bad days with their mm. wanting to deal with their, you know, whatever CCTLD they're dealing with. But to your point with the drop catching, the technology, like where the technology becomes a real issue, and this has happened in two specific cases recently, is drop catchers are not particularly like good net citizens, right? Like our job is to just bombard servers with requests in order to be the first one to try to get one of these, these domains, right? Especially for the very valuable domains, which we'll get into. And so for a lot of these, these 
registries, right? Like if you're already kind of struggling to deal with just normal everyday operations, the last thing you want to deal with is <laughs> these registrars that are just killing your server. I mean, just, just absolutely bombarding you with traffic in order to, to register these high value domains or to them, not necessarily high value, but for the in consumer market, high value domains. And so to my knowledge, so dot AI, it's just a really interesting use case because dot AI is kind of is becoming this artificial intelligence right. base, right? Like if you're, if you're an AI startup, you absolutely want a dot AI domain. And I think it's Anguilla is the actual country that's associated right. with dot AI. And so originally like that, what I just described is what happened is like Mike and some other guys that were trying to register dot AIs were just killing their servers. And they basically said, look, you know, this isn't worth it. Like we, we can't deal with having to do the maintenance involved with keeping these servers able to handle all this traffic. And so they basically decided to kill drop catching because they just didn't want to deal with the headache, which was actually somewhat beneficial for Mike and I, because park.io actually runs the dot AI auctions for them. Like our auctioning platform is what's used for the dot AI domains. And so it works. It's great for them because they don't have to deal with, you know, drop catchers constantly just destroying their servers. Right. It's great for us because, you know, we obviously get to partner with them and help them run their premium AI auctions every month. And so it's totally win-win. Like they, they don't have to deal with the, the headaches and we still get to be involved and continue to kind of expand into really popular CCTLDs. And if I remember correctly, I mean, the dot AI infrastructure was impacted some years ago. Um, due to i can't remember what exactly or which hurricane it was that hit but they were down for some time because they're in the path i mean they're literally in the path of if there is a hurricane path to be in they are in that path yeah so i i know i i remember what you're i can't remember the exact date either but yeah you're absolutely right and that's the thing i mean that's which is also i guess the benefit of having the structure the way it is as far as having these registrars kind of on top of the registry, it helps to a certain extent to, to solve some of those problems. I mean, obviously if the registry's down, nothing can be done. Like you can't do right. the operations that need to be done, but if they're not time critical, I mean, there's lots of things that can be done at the registrar level to at least give them a break so that they're not just being totally out of business if something like that happens. Because fortunately, I mean, I mean, and that's taking them back a step there are some CCDLDs that are very exclusive. So like LY, for instance, I don't think people mm. know you have to actually be in Libya right. to register .ly domains. Like we have a relationship with one of the registrars in Libya. So that's how we're able to do it. But there are lots of countries that will not allow you to register unless you have a physical presence. In so China? It, China uh, probably, like so, .cn? So we don't do China, so I'm not sure. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Like I would, I would actually probably expect China more than any to be like that, just because they're you know have their own very restrictive beliefs about the internet just in general. Right. But yeah, like if you're not one of those situations, though, right? So if you're, so like .io is a great example. I mean, Affiliates owns .io, but and they're not kind of beholden to this physical location. But if you are a country that has a similar type of risk associated with it. Right. You have registrars that are all over the globe that helps again kind of distribute the load and helps to prevent any one of these time like really cataclysmic type events like a hurricane or any other type of natural disaster. 
Interesting. So then, you know, kind of shifting gears here. So that's the ecosystem kind of at a at a high level as well as I mean, we didn't really do a, a, a deep, 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 deep technical dive. But I mean, we got deep enough to to really understand that not not every uh, um, CCTLD is equal per se uh, for a number of reasons. But then let's talk about getting into how to appraise CCTLDs. I mean, obviously in in dot com i mean it, i don't know that there really is a rule of thumb across all domains for how to really appraise a domain i mean obviously we can get into um you know some i guess you'd say rule of thumbs that are but they really don't carry a, a tangible value you know things like uh making sure that a domain passes the radio test um, I mean, those things are, I call them the niceties. It's like, yeah, they'll keep you probably out of the ditch, but in terms of actually adding a dollar figure to it, uh, that's just going to be hard to, to tell. So, I mean, how, so how do, how does one go about appraising, you know, CCTLDs? It's a really interesting problem, right? Like, I think, unfortunately, like you just mentioned, it's a very challenging problem in dot-coms and you know even more popular tlds and it's significantly more challenging for cctlds but so let's let's just focus on dot coms just for a second and then we'll right. yeah we'll see kind of how to make transitions so in dot com like you mentioned i mean there's lots of rules of thumb there's lots of kind of heuristics ultimately i mean for all of these tlds right like what you're able to get is what it's worth right like if because right. unfortunately also even if it's because there's so many different unique situations for like, I've got this, this company that just has to have it. And so therefore I'm willing to pay 10 times what I would if I was a rational human being. Like there's lots of things <laughs> that kind of throw these things out of whack. But on the, on the whole, if you look at like every transaction that's happened for each of the TLDs, you can get at least some kind of a semblance of order as to what a real valuation would be. So in .com, you have a much better chance of doing that purely by virtue of the fact that there are literally millions of dot coms that have passed hands one way or the other, right? Like whether right. it's public sales, resells, whatever, you have so many data points to try to figure out at least some sense of what a given dot com might be worth. You know, maybe you might be lucky enough to have plenty of past data for just that dot com itself, right? Like if you had, you know, dogs.com, it's likely that dogs.com is, well, it probably hasn't changed hands recently, but for a lot of dot coms, it will, you'll have direct comps for that particular keyword. And so you can use that to at least get a sense for what it might be worth. And you can do lots of games like that. You can do lots of comp, like there's kind of different schools of thought, right? Like there's some people that are very heavy on the, the comp version. There's lots of people that are more kind of inclined to look at like characteristics of domains, whether it's, you know, the traffic associated with the keywords or like the cost per click or right. you know, other kind of what I would call off domain signals that help you get a sense for what the, the actual word might be worth and then try to figure out how much the domain is worth based on, you know, search traffic and cost per click and all those things. If you take all of that, right. Like, and then <laughs> come to the CCTLD world, <laughs> it gets way dicier only because you don't have that, the virtue of all that data. Like, Whereas in .com, you have millions of data points for .io, which is probably the most popular as well. I guess .co probably has the most data points. Right. But for our purposes, .io is kind of our bread and butter, even though we are now entering into .co. It's a lot more challenging to figure out what it's actually worth because you don't have 
the benefit of all these past sales. And a lot of the sales that happen in CCTLDs are private. So you don't even, even, even though it's a very active community, you don't have nearly as much data. And so the short answer is we try to do the similar type of analysis, but then factor in you know, the dilution factor, right? Like if I know what you know, dogs.com would be worth, I don't know why I keep using dogs. I guess I'm a dog person. <laughs> so, anyway. They're getting traffic. <laughs> well, there you go. So if you figure out how much dogs.com is worth, then you can try to get a sense for like, how do I scale that to a .io or a dot .co, right? Like it's not a perfect way to do it, but right. you tend to have better results doing it that way just because it is way easier to figure out how much a .com might be worth based on all those metrics I was mentioning. Just because again, there's so much data. It's so much easier to kind of put it in its proper place within the .com world and then scale it into one of these other CCTLDs. Right. .io and .co, I mean, you do have data points. So if in a lot of cases you will be able to find the exact one that you're looking at in previous sales and then you can kind of get a better sense for that specific yeah. domain but if you're talking about a domain in a cctld that's never had a publicly available sales data point then you basically just have to start playing games like that where you make your best estimation in a .com or a .net or whatever and then trying to scale it down and you can do a number of ways right like you can just kind of take an arbitrary factor like I'll just divide it by 10 or I'll divide it by five or, mm. you know, there are, there are smarter ways to do it, but there's a quick and dirty way to do it. It's just very much, it's, it's just like whenever you try to evaluate a company, right? Like if you're trying to put an evaluation on a company you want to acquire, there are very tedious ways you can do like by looking at future cash flows and like all this kind of really hardcore financial analysis, or you can just look at the revenue and just take a mul multiplier, right? Like there's different, avenues that are some are more intense some are quick and dirty so it really is kind of up to you like how much time you want to spend figuring it out but the short answer is it's very difficult to get a really good answer and the other thing that's complicated as we mentioned at the beginning of this it's constantly changing right like i mean dot io right. today is significantly more valuable than it was five years ago and so you have to factor that in as well right like if you see that it was sold in 2015 for x amount of dollars you have to factor in the fact that 2020.io is not the landscape of 2015.io's. And so you have to definitely inflate it to get a sense of what it might actually be worth today. So that's interesting because it makes me think about, as you were talking, I was just thinking about some of the sales that I just, you know, stumbled up on just on social networks, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, the like. And what I realized, one in particularly was jackpot.io yeah. uh, through uh, BAR. Um, yep. I believe his name is Bartek. And He's so park.io user. Yeah. And so man, this dude, if if you I believe his uh I believe his Twitter handle is like PPC Bar. Um, but follow go just go look up PPC Bar on Twitter. And I mean, it seems like the guy is buying dot IOs, if not every day, every other day, at least once or twice a week. Oh yeah, um, we definitely, there are some power users out there. And that's the thing, like, like when we talk about opportunity, there are definitely still lots, lots of opportunities, but what we, I mean, especially I'd say in the last six months, especially mm -hmm. what we're seeing is a lot of people that are like big names in the dot-com industry are finally kind of waking up to the opportunities in the CCTLDs. And primarily just because, I mean, the entry points are so much lower, right? Like if you're used to spending six figures for some dot-coms and you can get similar type quality in the, in the CCTLDs for a fraction of those prices, like it's a no brainer, right? I mean, like there's, 
you can get so many more domains and then by virtue of just having a much bigger portfolio you end up having more like lottery tickets as far as i would that's how i would characterize it and so a lot of people have kind of woken up to this idea that i can get a significantly larger portfolio of the cctlds that are still very high valuable keywords and then obviously have many more opportunities to hit big on them and bar like you mentioned is one of the guys that is really big in the io community has a lot of great domains and then yeah jackpot i think it sold for almost 50 grand so yeah well and and that was the thing it, it wasn't just 50 grand it was uh, 50 grand and as, as far as i'm concerned or remember or recollect is it was uh paid out in uh oh, bitcoin, yeah. bitcoin i think it was, it was five five bitcoins i think yeah so which was like four i think he reported forty five thousand uh btc and so that in and of itself i mean that's just when you think about okay well what would jackpot.com be worth i don't know i mean i would to a certain extent if i'm looking at that 45 btc then i might say something like okay well cash wise it's probably worth four and a half million and that's still too low yeah but if i'm you know at least trying to compare because then i look at something like well voice.com sold for 30 million but what would voice.io sell for i don't know i mean is it a percentage of that 30 million <laughs> you know what is it so that's it's also it's complicated right because you have to take into effect like how developed is the domain so like if if you're talking about just voice.com with nothing associated with it like you know you're just talking about the domain then that's obviously a little bit easier of a comparison Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about, you know, like a fully developed voice.com where they have, you know, I don't know, like a voiceover service or I don't know what would be on a voice.com. But if you have a fully kind of functioning service company on top of just a domain, that kind of makes it a much more difficult comparison. But to your point, yeah, I mean, and what's great is um, so Amar Kuba is another kind of really big name in domaining and also in the well, I mean, he's he's big in all of TLDs, but especially in .io. He had a really great interview, I want to say in like last year, because he, he bought XO.io for I almost remember. 20, like he as and that's that's resale, right? So like wholesale value of about 20 grand. And they and I think it was interviewed by uh, like Elliot on domain investing. And he had this great explanation. I mean, he's like cause he did basically what you're doing, right? He said, look, dot xo.com, or sorry, xo.com. I want to say it was, it's, it's probably worth what, like two and a half million. I don't remember exactly what numbers he was using, but he broke it down that like, look, I could easily sell that for two and a half million. So what, like if I buy XO.io for 20 grand, like we're talking what, 1%, 2% right. of, the, of that value. I mean, like, and that's today. I mean, obviously the expectation is it's going to grow over time. And then, you know, if he doesn't, even if he doesn't develop the site, like there's still, there's a huge room for him to be able to to get out from under that domain at a huge profit. And so it's just like, again, it kind of underscores that point that there's lots of opportunity, even, even for a, at first glance, kind of expert, like a crazy number, right? Like if you see XO.io being sold at wholesale for 20 grand, like you're going to do a double take. But then when you really start to do the numbers, you realize, yeah, even at that number, like that's still a pretty good deal. Like it's, there's still lots of room for, for a return on investment eventually for that. And in most cases, I mean, again, not to give, I don't want to give the impression that all the dot IOs are going for 20 grand at wholesale. I mean, that is the, <laughs> like the anomaly. Most IOs are still like a, a 
a premium dyed IO is still in the like low four, so like thousand, two thousand. And in most cases, you can still get a lot of great dyed IOs for ninety nine dollars, you know, a couple hundred dollars. Like there's still lots of opportunity. It's just it is definitely getting more pricey. So so okay, what what is driving this price? Why are we seeing dot domains, you know, be skyrocketing in price? So I think it's a couple. Of, I mean, the best analogy I like to use, and I don't know if I stole this from Mike or not, but we we very commonly <laughs> talk about TLD. Well, so we actually launched this whole other thing called Gateway.io that we can talk about at the tail end of this, and it's really very TLD specific. And so I think that's where we started really talking about this idea of TLDs being like neighborhoods. But that's how I think about it, right? So like if if you're a .com, think of it as I mean, neighborhood might be too small because .com obviously has millions and millions of sites, but it's very much like, you know, either a city or a neighborhood or, you know, a part of town or whatever. And if you think of .com, they put up bigger and bigger houses. They've put up like these massive gates, like the, the properties have just gone up and up and up to the point where if I'm an end user or I'm a startup or I'm somebody that doesn't have a multi-million dollar budget on a domain, I can't get into that neighborhood or, you know, like I can't move to that city. Like if, right. it's, it's like, it's like the cost of living of, you know, living in, in Manhattan, right? Like I don't have the funds to get a penthouse in my in Manhattan, <laughs> but I might have the funds to get a penthouse in like Atlanta or, you know, or Dallas or Austin, you know, it's still not necessarily cheap, but it's significantly less expensive than what I would be paying if I was going to get into this dot-com neighborhood. And in the early day, like we were talking about at the beginning of this in 2014, when Mike was first starting the site, I mean, we're talking about not Austin or Dallas prices. We're talking about, you know, Sherman prices or, you know, we're talking about how, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody gets that except for those for us, but still that's fine. As long as we get it, that's all that matters. But yeah. And so you just, if you think about, if you carry that analogy out, right. As more and more people started like buying up, you know, this real estate, in these less expensive neighborhoods, those neighborhoods started to become more and more expensive. They started putting up bigger and bigger houses. So like when right. they started to become successful and they put up these cool services on these .ios, people started to realize like, oh wow, like, you know, you mentioned games earlier, like there's um, like Gartic.io and there's like these- Slither. Kind of, yeah, Slither, there's all these, like those were kind of more niche, but like Swipe.io is I think one of the biggest io transactions that ever happened i think they do like either credit card processing or it's the same thing right like it's just, there was some startup they wanted to have a really sexy name they didn't have the funds to buy the dot com and they said well you know look I'm, am i going to spend 10 million dollars on the dot com right now whenever i'd barely I, don't, I might not even be a funded startup yet right or do i buy this dot com dot io now invest all my money in actually building the service that i'm trying to to build and actually getting customers and you know doing the, the actual business of building the business. And then maybe I'll worry about the dot com if I hit it big. Like if I if we have an IPO and then now we're just flush with cash, then maybe I'll circle back and try to get this really expensive dot io or dot com or dot, you know, whatever the case may be, but usually dot com. And so that's I think naturally what has happened over this past five years for dot io and dot co dot co. And it's, it's also, it's interesting. We talked about the timing aspect of like when Mike got into this, I think all of these factors just kind of collided at the same time, right? Like .com really got out of control in my opinion, as far as just some of the valuations. 
right around the same time that startups were looking for more of an online presence. And so it's just, it made sense for them to try to branch out. And the other thing, and I think we've talked about this kind of off offline is you don't really, I mean, there's a lot of marketing value associated with a .com. Like I'm under no illusion that a .io is somehow magically more <laughs> recognizable than a .com, right? Like I would obviously prefer a .com as far as just the core brand recognition and most average internet users by default are just going to put the .com because they just don't know any better, right? So there's clearly value in that. But as you find, I mean, like if you look at Chrome especially, every year they're trying more and more to get rid of the URL bar, right? Like where they don't necessarily even care about the what the actual address is. Right. They just want you to go through the search engine, right? Like if you're Google, I want your entry point to be Google. And at that point, if I can rank with a .io just as well as a .com, which I can if I know what I'm doing, there's no real reason for me to pay a premium for a .com whenever I could get a really sexy .io. And then the user in a search result, all they're going to see is the keyword .io and they'll be like, oh, okay, well, it's great. And they're just not going to care because they got there through the search engine, right? Like they didn't have to physically remember to put the .io or the .co or .me or whatever. Right. And I think probably the the bigger, the biggest concern that I see in terms of if we're answering the question, well, should a business make the investment or make the jump from .io to .com or .whatever to .com, the biggest risk at play is whether or not that given domain gets into the hands of your competition. And so one of the things, like one of the examples that come to mind to where it makes sense and it's a solid domain is catch.io. So I actually interviewed uh, the CEO of Catch, Kristen Anderson, uh, roughly a couple months uh, ago about catch.io. And she told the story about how they wanted catch.com. But Apple owns catch.com and they didn't have Apple money (laughs) to be able to go buy catch.com. But she said, we built on catch.co based upon the fact that what's the likelihood that Apple is going to build a service that really focuses on um, taxes, benefits, health benefits, and everything like that. It's likely not going to happen. So she felt confident in staying put in terms of building on that catch.co knowing that, well, the likelihood of it falling into the hands of someone else, I mean, they'll take their chances with Apple selling that to someone else versus actually owning it. Whereas in some cases, let's just say it's $150,000 for that.com and they're looking at a .io. In certain cases, it makes more sense to go pay the $150,000 because that is well within reach when well within reach considering all things. And that's relative, obviously, in terms of you got to look at what that given market is. I mean, if we're talking about, uh, you know, babysitters, probably somebody's not going to pay $150,000. But if it's tech, I don't know. It depends on which baby. Like if you're, if you're, uh, you're babysitting like uh, Elon, Elon Musk's kids, maybe. Yeah. And and I go, and and that's the, that's the dead giveaway. It's, it's more of a, is this a high end or is, is this a low end service? If it's a lower end service, there is, you know, there is no reason to move from it, but if it's a higher end service where there's likely the case that folks with deep pockets could come in and buy it 
and here it is, you've built this, you know, multi-million dollar business on a .io, yet you're leaking traffic over to the .com. I mean, it very much reminds me of the O.co or overstock.com situation of where they, you know, reportedly lost like 61% traffic leakage by using a .co that leaked over to the .com and they end up going back, you know, over to overstock.com because they didn't own O.com. And so it's it's all these different things, but I think it comes down to really, for me anyway, the 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 bigger thing that folks gotta have to be aware of email security. That if people are starting to slip in, you know, type.com or whatever, and here it is. Like I've owned some domains that have uh, I, I set up a catch-all for them, and folks are sending credit card information. Yeah. In email, and I'm like, "Ooh, well, <laughs> that's dangerous." Or yeah. they're they're sending private information, uh, internal information that should not be exposed, uh, you know, and it's just misdirected because this company doesn't own their matching.com. Um, so all of that to say, I mean, it, so I think it really it really depends on a given situation likely. I mean, you have to kind of take in hand of what is your industry? What's the likelihood of someone coming along to, you know, uh, I guess dethrone you from having that opportunity to secure brand um, protection in the dot-com. So, I mean, that being said, I mean, you know, let's kind of move on here in terms of, of some of the, dot io domains that are skyrocketing in price now you mentioned shoot probably a couple minutes ago or 10 minutes or so about dot co now that's a new service offering that i guess hasn't always been there correct that is true so we we launched dot co backorders about a month almost a month ago like it's been either a few weeks or a month ago which is great i mean it's it's one of those things where people have always been asking for it and to be honest, we just never, I mean, I mentioned at the very beginning of this, before I came on board, Mike was already, you know, juggling so many things at once that he just didn't have time to, to implement it, despite the fact that, you know, it was one of those things that we were constantly getting emails about. And so it's great for me because I also, I mean, if you want to contact me, you can get me through the support because I will, I handle most of our support emails. And it's one of those things where I don't have to answer those questions anymore. Like now all these constant requests for, dot co backorders have been fulfilled now you just go and uh, just start ordering <laughs> stop asking for it and just start start back ordering the domains and is that some so so you offer dot io dot co what else dot gg uh, or so there's a it's about 20 i think our current number is around 20 but the ones that are really popular i mean dot uh, io is obviously our bread and butter dot co i would guess is probably going to end up being somewhere in the top three. I mean, right now it's, it's so new, like there's a period of people actually realizing we actually offer it. But then .to is actually really popular, primarily because there's not very many people that do it. Like it's essentially just us and this other company. Uh, .ly used to be really popular, it still is, but it's, it's like you're talking about domain hacks. There's a lot of really fun domain hacks. We actually have a user that has an obscene number of dot. I mean, he's basically like the definitive dot ly guy. He does very well in dot y dot ly. So I don't. I will. I won't say that it's <laughs> kind of too late for dot ly because there are still a lot of great ly that drop. But that guy definitely got in whenever you wanted to get in for ly because he's got some really fantastic domain hacks and just like 
great, funny, L-Y domains in general. Uh, VC is another one that I think, I mean, they're very tiered, right? So like right. .io, those are clearly kind of in their own tier. And then there's another kind of grouping with .ly, .me, .vc, and then .gg is kind of creeping up there. And then there's a, just a lot of other, like, so .mn, .bc, I mean, like, there's a ton. .tv. So we we don't offer TV yet. We're thinking about it. It's, it's weird because, so there's there's this 800-pound uh, gorilla in the room that I won't necessarily mention, but they <laughs> they do .tv, which kind of makes it impossible right. for everyone else to do .tv. No, that, that that's fair. That's we, fair. We've considered it. It's just, it's not... It's not clear that we would be competitive only because we don't have hundreds of registrars. <laughs> right, right. Now, now, what's interesting to me about this, it, registration prices, they are yeah. not in line with what a dot-com is. No, so they're that, and they fluctuate for every, every CCTLD is different as far as how much it costs because, and it, it, it's dictated by the registry and then the registrars can do whatever you know markup they want to do but even with i mean because the there's obviously there's that's one of the big kind of scandals right is the dot-com potential increase and then there was a the drama with the dot org right it, it potentially being bought by a private equity firm and then i guess I, hopefully that's I, they backed out yeah, hopefully that yeah that's that that has been squashed yeah so hopefully that doesn't re-emerge because that is one potential downside right like it well it depends on your perspective because you do so for .io i think i mean there are, we we keep pricing fairly simple like cuz all all of ours are some level of premium expired domains and so every domain if you were the only one that back orders it it's $99 for every cctld just to make it super easy for everybody like you don't have to think about it it's just 99 for everything but if you have a lot of cctlds and you plan on holding them for a period of time, there are registrars out there that are more kind of oriented towards just bare, bare price, like the bare bones, as cheap as you can find it type of thing. Like they don't offer as many services, but like that's kind of their niche is they want to offer the lowest price as possible, primarily for people that want to hold, you know, a large portfolio for an extended period of time. A lot of our users, I mean, we do have users that keep their domains with us, but we're primarily focused on you want to get this domain that's expiring. You get right. it from us. And then in a lot of cases, like a lot of our power users have kind of their favorite registrar that they've got, you know, thousands of domains with. And so they'll come to us, they'll get premium domains. And then in a lot of cases, they'll transfer them because they want to keep them all in the same house, basically. Cause I can imagine, I mean, like if you have thousands of domains, it's a nightmare to try to manage them across multiple different platforms. And so then in terms of like cost wise, obviously you say $99, but then I'm just starting to think about the renewal of just each of those. Cause that thing, I mean, I think when I looked at it, dot AI was something like a hundred dollars a year. I don't recall what dot O was. I think um, dot CO at least within where I'm purchasing from uh, is like 30 some odd dollars a year to, you know, renew and so it's across the board, but I think that that also probably plays a, a role in terms of some of these prices skyrocketing as well as just the competition because you're not just out there registering or buying up any and everything. It truly 
you know, these are popular names. Yeah. And it also, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, that is somewhat of the downside, right? Like if, so we'll use, let's, let's use the XO.io example since that's right. like what Omar was talking about with the .com. If, let's say hypothetically, XO.com was like a $2 million domain. If you can't pay that $2 million, then obviously you know, you'd prefer to pay the 20000 for the IO. The only downside is, yeah, like you are probably going to have to pay you know, a little bit higher renewal fee, right? Like, so you get a much, you get a huge savings up front and then a, a marginal amount that you're going to have to pay for renewing. But in most cases, it's not that big of a deal, right? I mean, because if, especially if you're, if you're planning to, like if you're an investor, especially, and you're planning to, to get the kind of return you can expect for a lot of these really high quality CCTLD domains. Right. I mean, we've got a statistics page on our, our site. I think it's just park.io backslash statistics where we, we, it's constantly updated. Like it updates basically every month and it will show you for publicly available data, like what kind of flips we've been able to identify based on domains that were originally purchased from park.io and then eventually were flipped on some public forum. And our average return on investment is somewhere around like a thousand percent. Meaning wow. like if I spent, and I think like that, the maximum is something like 10,000. I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, because in a lot of cases, people will buy these domains for, you know, the, the $99 and then turn around and flip them for a thousand dollars, $2,000, whatever. And so whenever you've got that kind of a buffer, you can deal with a little bit higher renewal fees just because you're expecting to, to get a much bigger exit whenever you get out from under these domains because you're getting in at such a low price, right? Like that's the thing that I guess a, a lot of people that are in the dot-com world aren't familiar with as much just because the days when that was happening in dot-com were, you know, like the dot-com bubble, like back in the late nineties was the last time you were able to get like really premium dot-coms for the type of prices that you can get these premium CCTLDs. And so it's just interesting. It's, it's, it's almost like a reset, right? Like in a lot of ways, right. In terms of, you almost get to experience what it was like for the for the good old boys, like the ones that were were here from the the beginning of the internet. It's 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 not a lot. I mean, it's not the exact same, right? Like I'm again, I'm not at all going to tell you that you're going to flip a dot com <laughs> for a million dollars in the first year, in the the near term. But on an ROI perspective, I mean, like if you look at the amount that you had invested in the domain, you can absolutely expect to get a much bigger return than you would have if you put in a huge amount on a dot com. Right. And I guess, you know, to that, you you actually brought a good point up is that if you are buying these domains now in Amar's case, he's probably I mean, he can afford to do that in terms of put shelling out 20,000 and he can hold on to it. Um, and, or at least you better hope he, he should be able to do something like that. But in, in in most cases, it's kind of what you were pointing to in terms of the statistics. Most people probably aren't holding these for. Uh, I would imagine a number of years. It's a matter of probably weeks, and in some cases, uh, or rather months, and in some cases, weeks. Yeah, I mean that's. The th I mean, and just like with everything, right? It's just a matter of kind of what your your risk appetite is, and like what your actual strategy is. So we have users, especially in some of the like the less popular CCTLDs, so like .ag and .sc they get like really premium domains, right? Like, so like money.ag or like forex.ag, like things, things that would have obscene cost per click and that get obscene traffic. 
right. they're on a like a much less popular CCTLD. So they'll get those and they'll flip them really quickly, right? Like they'll pay nothing and then they'll flip them for a few few hundred dollars. And that's great for them. Like that's their strategy is they just want to have huge volume. Just keep getting these incredibly great keywords at dirt cheap prices and then flip them for, you know, three or four times what they paid. And that's what they do. I mean, like, and, and they're, they have constant volume because the keywords are so great. And then you also, and then you have people that are kind of closer to I me. Mean, I don't know exactly. I don't know that Amar has one strategy. I mean, Amar's kind of on that. He's an anomaly. Like he's right. a, a professional's professional, <laughs> but you have people that are closer to him that kind of have more of the just premium domain strategy where they just want to have the best of the best. And they don't really care so much about getting really, really cheap. And that's, I mean, inexpensive domains that they then flip for maybe for like they're looking for like these big home run type sales right they just, you have like just a big spectrum right i i don't really consider myself an investor because i mean i know a lot about cctlds but i i waved bye-bye to the dot com a long time ago just because i don't have i don't have dot com money and <laughs> so i can tell you all about like the different investment strategies for cctlds but i don't know necessarily i guess what the best way to make money in dot coms is these days gotcha gotcha so then in terms of like COVID, i mean has COVID impacted park.io any or just so it, business been normal as usual it's interesting like you and i have talked about this a little bit but in in March, like when things got really, I mean, things have been crazy, obviously, for months now. But when things were at kind of the, the peak of craziness, which like when I described it, you know, when the NBA shut down, I feel like is when kind of the world was on fire. As far it got as just, real. <laughs> everything was nuts. And so that's whenever, you know, the stock market had its low and everything kind of collided at once. When that happened, we saw a noticeable drop as far as transactions and kind of what people were doing and activity. But then very much like the stock market, as soon as things rebounded, it rebounded with us as well. I mean, like everything kind of rubber banded right back to where it was. And so the short answer is it had an, a very small impact, which is kind of surprising. I mean, I know you have a theory, which I don't want to steal it from you, which I think might actually explain <laughs> kind of why things did rebound as quickly as they did. But it honestly has not been as devastating as I thought it would be, which is also kind of echoes what's happened with the stock market. Like when I look at the stock market, I'm still kind of flabbergasted because it doesn't correlate with what's going on really with the rest of the world. Right, right. And the the theory, so for the listeners, the theory that Steve is talking about is one of the things that happened, obviously, in terms of sports betting is real big uh, throughout the world. And so, obviously, you, when you have the NBA stop, when you have football, baseball, everything stops, well, that money has to go somewhere. Somebody, if, if that's their thing, gambling is their thing, likely is the case. They have an itch that needs to be scratched. So they're going to do something. So that money shifted from you know, Vegas, the, the, the bookies, it had to go somewhere and likely is the case. I'm not going to say that all of it went into domains, but likely a percentage of it did. Um, but a good percentage of that went in probably playing stock, the, uh, the stocks. And so now, and you know, at this time of this recording, it's July 1st. So the, the first half of the 2020 is in the books and we're starting the second half. And so I think we're going to see, obviously, as things begin to relax a little bit or as, and who knows, I mean, at this time of the recording, everybody's trying to open up, but yet they're trying to shut back down again. 
I think where things may head is that that money's going to come out and it's going to go back if and should sports teams, leagues open back up, that that money's going to shift out. And so the reality now becomes, okay, is a percentage of the money that was basically placed in domain, is that going to also shift outward? And are we going to see a downturn at some point? I don't know is my answer. I really don't know what we're going to see um, based on, you know, things like bar sell of, of jackpot. I'm like, shoot, man, this thing, it's like musical chairs and the music is not stopping anytime soon is what it seems like. Yeah. And so that, that, that does bring an interesting point because, well, two things, right? Like, I'm glad you mentioned, we are recording this on July 1st. Whenever you're listening to this, who knows? I mean, I, I don't want to talk about the real news because it's kind of depressing, but <laughs> <laughs> Any number of things could happen between this very moment and when you're actually listening to this. So if I've made any type of procrastinations, take it with a grain of salt. Cause I, I mean, I have no clue what's going to happen tomorrow. Or whenever you're, I mean, park.io hopefully will still be doing as well as it is right this second, six months from now or whatnot. But to your point, I think another thing that's interesting and I haven't really done a lot of analysis on this. So I don't, I mean, this is all speculation, but I think it's also entirely possible that a lot of investors recognize that there might not be as much competition right now. And so, cause I, I mean, I haven't broken down, like our site obviously has two, two big, I mean, three components, but two big components. One is the back ordering. I mean, just because I, I, I never even really explained how the site works. If you go and you order and you're the only person that orders and we get the domain for you, then you have the domain. Right. If multiple people order it and we get it, then it goes to auction. And so you have kind of a back ordering component and then you have an auctioning component. I haven't looked at the data to see like, are we getting more back orders? Are we getting more auction traffic? Like, but it's entirely possible that a lot of the like more professional investors are scooping up a lot of domains right now because they realize there's not as many people to compete against, right? Like if you're like, a, I mean, again, I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna speak for Amar. I don't know if Amar's done this, but if I was an Amar or one of these big guys and I know long-term these domains are gonna be more valuable, now to me would be, just like the stock market, right? Like if, if you saw the stock market crash and you thought, oh great, this is a, a, a huge buying opportunity, that's how you should treat the domains right now, right? Like if, if you think right. other people are gonna bail, now's the time to scoop them all up because they're gonna be, if you think they're gonna be worth a lot like I do, two years, five years, whatever from now, you might as well get them now while there's less competition potentially, and then you know reap the benefit whenever everybody comes back into the market. But again, I don't, I don't know. I mean, all I know is that our numbers have rebounded significantly. I don't know if that's, if it's the gambling hypothesis, like you mentioned, or if it's what I'm talking about, or if it's a combination of both, or if it's just somebody, so like some secret money bags, people that I'm unaware of that are just propping up the whole thing. And if that is the case, please contact me after this. Cause <laughs> I'd love to know more people that have money bags. <laughs> When it all falls down, Kanye West says. You know it. <laughs> oh, man. So, man, this, seriously, this podcast, we've had a Shirt Town reference. We just had a Kanye. <laughs> like, I, I don't, if this isn't the most popular podcast of all time, I don't know what your audience wants. <laughs> How Texas was even mentioned. <laughs> seriously. I even, I even, like, the fact that I even dropped a Texoma reference, which literally nobody, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully so. Hopefully there's someone out there that's, that, is from Texoma. Reach out to both of us. We can <laughs> exactly. Have a, we can have a Texoma reunion podcast. 
Exactly. Everybody go Google how Texas. It'll be the joy of your <laughs> life. It'll make the jo- be the joy of your day, your week, your month, probably the second half of 2020. Oh my goodness. No. So man, it, it's interesting. There was one more thing there that it made me think about in terms of, of um, just when we talk about where things are headed and like you said, we don't know what's going to happen. Things could, you know, go to pieces and who knows what may happen. Uh, but the but the reality is, at least from what we know, um, if you, I kind of look at it and say, invest in what you know, for one. Yeah. Um, don't go on the hype. Yes, you can go see the Amars, the the bars of the world, man, and that and that just rhymed. There we go. I'm back to rhyming. I might start rapping in a minute. Who knows? I, I, I hope so. Wait, you already mentioned Kanye. I mean, Free, already, freestyling. We're ready to go. <laughs> so, but when you start looking at, I think you really have to to take into consideration um, that this isn't going to all. We hope that this remains the same, but the reality is. These things in .co is probably a great example um, because at one at one time it was on fire, yeah. uh, and then you know it's the ebbs and flows uh, probably of registry life if I can, um, or, or <laughs> registrar life. You know it's the CCTLD life. It, it, it comes in and it goes in ebbs and flows, and so you have to kind of watch it. You know you can't take this podcast and literally just go out there and begin to blindly register or think that you're going to have lightning in a bottle to stumble up on three, four, five-figure sales, it's just not likely is the case. There are more there are more carcasses along the way than there are standing at the end um, is likely the best way that, you know, that I put it. And so, um, you know, I mean, with that, Steve, shoot, man, we're like out of time, but I certainly thank you, man, for taking time, uh, you know, out of your busy day to come from behind the curtain and uh, join us today, man. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Anytime yeah. we can talk about uh, how Texas, I mean, that's how you get me on the podcast. <laughs> exactly. And before we go, though, there are two questions that I want to leave you with, uh, to leave the listeners with. And hopefully, you know, you can answer this. And I know that there are likely folks that are out there going, OK, well, you know, what would be your advice to them if they're starting their journey in domain investing and specifically investing in CCTLDs? You know, where should they begin? So I would dovetail into what you just said, right? Like, so. If you're just starting out, you need to be really honest with yourself and recognize kind of what you know and then what you don't know and then understand that there's a lot that you don't even know that you don't know and really focus in on what you know and get really niche with it, right? Like if you're a domain expert in, you know, some specific topic, then focus on that whenever you start doing domaining, right? Like figure out how to appraise domains that are very much connected to the topic that you're already a professional in or you're an expert in or, you know, and, and when I say expert, I mean, I say very loosely, right? Like you'd be surprised how easy it is to become very knowledgeable about something and then instantly become more knowledgeable than most people about a given topic. And so just kind of stay within what you already know before you start branching out and, and trying to become the next Amar. Like I, I in no way want to dissuade you. I mean, everybody can become a, an Amar or a Bar or an Alvin and 
it's just a matter of kind of figuring out what it is that you already know and then building on it and then just learning. And then, cause especially with CCTLDs, like it's, it's not an overstatement to say that there really is a lot of opportunity still. There's a lot of places that haven't been exploited, which is not a negative term. It's just, there's right. a lot of opportunity that people haven't really discovered yet just because it's not nearly as well known as .coms. And so there's a, if, if you're just starting out, obviously I have a vested interest in .io and all the other CCTLDs, but it really is a much easier place to start just because the competition's much lower, the entry prices are much lower. You're going to make mistakes no matter what you do in the very beginning. Right. And so it's a lot cheaper to make mistakes in CCTLDs than it is to start just dropping four or five figures on dot coms and then realizing I didn't really know what I was doing. Like that was, that was a bad decision. <laughs> like you, for that price, you could make a lot of terrible decisions and still end up coming out even or ahead just because, you know, a, what is the expression on, you know, a blind squirrel? I have no idea. I'm, I'm terrible with the uh, <laughs> a, a clock is there right. Is. The clock least... is right. Yeah. A broken clock <laughs> right at least twice a day. There you go. Thank you. Exactly. My, see, this is just how we do. Like if, if we didn't have the shirt town connection, there's no way that Alvin would have given me that lifeline. I would have just been like floundering talking about blind squirrels and finding nuts and whatever. <laughs> But fortunately, there it is. Yes, broken clock. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Kindred spirits. So good. Oh, my goodness. Well, last but not least, I mean, is there anything you would like to share with listeners? I mean, obviously, hey, folks are probably going to want to know how to get in contact with you, whether on social, whether it's through park.io. I mean, how and what should they do to get in contact with you? If you want to know anything about park.io, just send a message to support. So support at park.io. It will get to me. I will have something goofy to say in one way or another. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Steve Webb. So just at my name, which is actually a funny story in itself. And I'll just say five seconds. <laughs> There's a much more popular Steve Webb. He's a politician in the UK. People are constantly complaining about his policies. They send it to me because I have the, yes. the at Steve Webb only because I actually, I knew a guy that worked at Twitter. And so he got me the name before the politician. <laughs> and so you can get me on Twitter, but in most, in more, it's more likely you can get me on email. Just send support at park.io or steve at park.io and I will answer any questions. And one more quick thing. We do not have time to go into this at all, but maybe we'll do a, another podcast six months from now. If you're interested <laughs> in Handshake or like any type of alternative TLDs or what I would call the new internet, go to gateway.io. It's just gateway, like the defunct computers from the 90s. Oh, man. and the cows on the side there, yeah you can learn what I, but that's that's a whole other animal like that's there's some some kind of brain breaking stuff that mike and i are working on but it's not directly related to park.io but if you go to gateway.io it'll be an entry point to all of that insanity that is awesome man well th- Again, like I said, we're out of time. So thank you, man, for joining us today and sharing your domain in industry and uh, entrepreneurial experience. Thank you. You're the best. Well, thank you. And listeners, thank you for tuning in to Kickstart Commerce, where we share search marketing and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. Please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or Podbean. Last but not least, please visit kickstartcommerce.com to subscribe to the newsletter sharing tips and tricks about the disciplines of digital strategy. Thanks, and that's all for now.